we are in the age where everyone is easily offended. But can I just ask us to consider something this morning? When is the last time you got mad at the things that made God mad? This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. Matthew 21 and verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. We live in what some sociologists and historians are calling the age of outrage. Everybody's got a cause, everybody gets offended, everybody gets mad, to the point at which if you will check some of the things that you buy or some of the things that you get, there are instructions or cautions on there that you would assume would be obvious but are not. For example, when it says on your cup of coffee, caution, hot if spilled. That is not on there simply to waste paper. That is on there because lawsuits have been filed by people who spilled coffee and said that the coffee making company did not let them know that it might be hot if they spilled it on themselves. Or when you go into McDonald's now, I know none of you go to McDonald's, but those of you who are like me and you do, and you see the calorie counts on the menus, that is there for a reason. Because somebody thought that eating two Big Macs and a couple of large fries and ordering a Diet Coke would all be okay and it wouldn't make you fat. We protest our causes when we don't get our politics right, and so we march, protest, write letters. We do that with jobs. We do that with whatever makes uh, us mad. We even get offended within the church. So the music's too loud, it's too soft, it's too fast, it's too slow, it's too hot, it's too cold, my chair isn't right, it's too high, it's too low. Pick your poison and when you try to please everybody, not make anybody mad, you end up making everybody mad. We are in the age where everyone is easily offended. But can I just ask us to consider something this morning? When is the last time you got mad at the things that make God mad? When is the last time you got upset over the things that upset God? And we know the Bible talks about this form of righteous indignation. There is a right way to be mad, and there's a wrong way to be mad. But very often what happens with us is the things that upset us don't bother God in the least, and the things that upset God don't bother us in the least. We got it backwards. And if you were to understand as Jesus is making his way for the final time in Jerusalem and what he is going to say and what the people expect him to say, they are in two polar opposite directions. Jerusalem is the focal point of everything in the ministry of Jesus. He goes there, but every time he goes there, he seems to get upset. And this is the last time he arrives, and he's going towards that central temple, that place that held all meaning in Jewish culture and tradition. If you've ever been to Salt Lake City, right in the middle of the 
downtown square, there is a marker, and it's literally zero degrees from the temple, zero degrees latitude, zero degrees longitude, so that if you make your way out anywhere from the Mormon temple in Salt Lake City, north, south, east, west, the roads are labeled north temple, south temple, east temple, west temple, so that anywhere throughout the city, because of the grid pattern that it is laid on, if you just know your latitude and longitude, if somebody tells you my house is 10 blocks east, 10 blocks west, from the temple, you will be able to arrive with that apart from any type of GPS and navigation system once you learn how it works. That's the way the temple was laid out in early Palestine. Because as the people were gathered together, the temple really had the central place in all aspects of life. It was where you would go to pray. It was where you would go to make sacrifice. It also was one of the political chief centers of the ancient world. The high priest had great power. And as Jesus gets ready to go into the court of the Gentiles, he gets ready to enter after he's spent the night with his friends at Bethlehem, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Part of the reason that he would have had to spend the night is because this is Passover season. And so Jerusalem is four to five times what it normally is. There are people sleeping in the streets. There are people sleeping in the hotels and the inns. There are people outside the gates. They are gathered wherever they can because there is literally no more room. And as Jesus walks into the temple and he looks around, he doesn't like what he sees. And this isn't the first time that Jesus has thrown a fit when he's gone to the temple. Because in John 2, right after the wedding of Canaan, he turned that water into wine, or for Baptist, he turned that water into grape juice. Right after Jesus did that, he comes to the temple, and he doesn't like what he sees. He looks around, and he sees people selling things in the court of the Gentiles. Now, the court of the Gentiles was the outer place. It was where people who were not Jewish could gather together and pray and seek for faith. He, he sees them doing that, and he writes back, and he yells at them. And at this point, he grabs a whip, and he goes in, and he drives them out, and he quotes from the Old Testament prophets, zeal for your house has consumed me. Runs them off. That is the beginning of his public ministry. And now, here he is, almost three years later, at the end of his public ministry, and he doesn't have a whip this time, but he's got hands, and his hands overthrow the tables, throw people out. He says, have you not heard that my house shall be called a house of prayer? But you have made it a den of thieves. And Jesus enters the very place that was supposed to welcome him and leaves it ruined. He crashes the party. And he doesn't like what he sees. And the Bible tells us that the people become very upset with Jesus. And the reason they're mad is because Jesus messed with their stuff. You can see people, it says he went and he turned over the money changers. You've ever dropped all your change somewhere at one time? What are these guys doing while Jesus is throwing over these tables? They're picking up every bit of loose change. Can you see the guy who's over in the corner who's got the, the doves up in this crate box and he's selling them? He's extorting people because in the court of the Gentiles, it was basically like modern day concession stands. You go to an arena, you go to a stadium, do they charge? you fair market price for what you eat and what you drink no it was the same way in the court of the Gentiles and so someone who was poor would have had to pay ten times the price and if they tried to bring in their own stuff they would have said this isn't good enough for the sacrifice and so not only were they standing on the place where people should pray but they were extorting them and Jesus 
kicks over that crate and he knocks over the tables and he drives them out because they're more concerned about the gifts than the giver. They're more concerned about the offerings they claim in the name of God than they are the offerings to God. Jesus comes at the very people who you would think would celebrate his coming. But Jesus is mad at them. And he's mad at them for a number of reasons. You think these people were in church. He shouldn't be mad at them. He should be mad at the world. The world's the place that's going to hell in a handbasket. Why isn't he getting on to them? Mm -mm. Because the people honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. He's mad at them because of their attitude, but he's mad at them because of where they're standing. They are standing in the court of the Gentiles. So not only are they ripping people off, but they are blocking outsiders from coming to faith. They're blocking them. It's something the Jewish people would never understand. Jesus talks about it over and over. He says, I haven't seen this faith in Israel. Haven't seen this faith in my house. Haven't seen the faith of the centurion or the faith of the Roman soldier there at the cross saying, surely this man was the Son of God, saying, surely if this man wants to heal, he can heal. Haven't seen that in my own house. I came unto my own, and they received me not, but as many as received me. Oh, brothers and sisters, I pray to God that we never get so caught up on our traditions and the way we do church and the way things are done that we block outsiders from being in this house. God, help us. Jesus gets mad, and he's got good reason to be mad. Because when you block people from coming to Jesus, you are messing with Jesus, and Jesus doesn't like to be messed with. I remember when we were considering going across the river and starting what became known as Crossroads and thankful for the work that God has given us. I would ask a lot of people, you know, what do you think about this? What are the possibilities? And one dear friend who I think meant as well as he could, he said, I just think we need to take care of our people first. And I responded as graciously as I could, who are our people? I'll tell you exactly who our people are. Whoever God says is our people. Whoever we reach. This isn't Kentucky and Indiana. This isn't North America versus the rest of the world. This is people who have Jesus and people who need Jesus. That's it. And he tells us, be careful that you don't turn his house into your house. Because at the point of which we no longer seek the care of people outside these walls, we're really not a whole lot different. I just look at the parallels and I wonder how close the church world of today is to the temple world of that day. And here's why. We are so quick to criticize sin in the culture and so slow to criticize it in the church. Uh, we'll call out everything outside these walls, but when it's in here, oh, we better not judge. Don't want to offend. Don't want to make them mad. Don't want to run them off. Try having Jesus as the pastor of your church. He doesn't agree. Jesus is telling us that we may very well have it backwards. 
We're real bold on the lines that bring applause. This is what God says about marriage. Here's what he says about abortion. Here's what he says about whatever we want to say where we're all in agreement. What about when we start talking about child labor, driving out pornography, sex trafficking, persecuted church, plight of refugees wherever they are, care for widows and orphans. My question is, what do you do with this version of Jesus? Because here's the people, they're crying out, make way for the king. Here he comes, he's going to give it to them. Here is Jesus, this long-awaited Messiah, sent to free the people from their captivity. But instead of coming at the Romans, he comes at them. Instead of going to the fortress, he goes to the temple, and within a few hours, the people who are cheering his name now respond with a not-so-spiritual version of, are you kidding me? And instead of going after this fortress, he goes to the temple, and he cleans house. And his problem isn't with the government, but with the religious establishment. Man, here's the thing about Jesus. We spend all this time looking at how he's rebuking the world, but most of the time Jesus isn't rebuking the world, he's rebuking us. We spend all this time saying what's wrong with the culture, and we haven't seen what's wrong with our own hearts. I don't know if there's a particular verse in the Bible or scene that you wish you could have been there for, but I just wonder what this one was like. Oswald Chambers writes about it. He says, for 30 years Jesus did nothing. Then for three years he stormed every time he went down to Jerusalem Josephus says he stormed through the temple courts like a madman. We hear nothing about that Jesus Christ today. The meek and mild being pictured today makes us lose altogether the meaning of the cross. We have to find out why Jesus was beside himself with rage and indignation at the Pharisees and not with those given over to carnal sins. What do you do with cute, little, sweet, innocent Jesus here? Where do you put him? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. But when those little ones grow up and they turn against the things of God, the wrath of Jesus abides on them, as it does for any of us abides on their sin, that Jesus will, in fact, turn against them. Everyone likes that language. You come to me, come to me, I won't cast you out. No one likes to hear, depart from me. I never knew you, you who work iniquity. But when the people of God repent, when the people of God Turn away from their sin. I want you to see what happens. Or rather, when Jesus begins to cleanse and purify his temple, when he begins to work in the church, this is what Matthew 21, 14 tells us. It says, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. That after Jesus cleans house, Jesus begins to work. You know, you would think three years ago, maybe the people would have had an opportunity to repent Maybe they would have had an opportunity to turn away, but Jesus has these spiritual bookends on his ministry. He starts it with cleansing it, he ends it with cleansing it, and they still haven't learned the lesson. But that's not what's important to Jesus at this point. What is important is that the name of his Father remain holy. What's important is that his house remains open as a house of prayer. And once Jesus begins to cleanse, once Jesus begins to 
purify his church, that is where the work of God takes place. Jesus is right in his anger because the people are wrong in their sins. And when he cleans house, this is where true ministry begins. And so what does that mean for us today? We're not in the temple, but we are in the house of God. If we're gathered together in the name of Jesus, I simply think it means we have to worship Jesus for who he is, and we have to worship God for who he is. Sometimes you wonder what these folks may have been thinking. I think their biggest problem was they mixed up the gifts with the giver. They looked at the words, but they didn't know the author. It is very easy to do that in church life, to look at the things of church and remember and forget the things of God. This is what Jesus will say to them later on in Matthew 23 about that temple. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe, mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. In Matthew 23, 16 through 22, woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that is made the gold sacred? You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred. So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it, and whoever swears by the temple swears by it and him who dwells on it. I think our great problem is deep down inside we are able to justify and rationalize and skew away anything that makes us uncomfortable. And so of course these money changers are there. Of course they are sent to make money because surely God wants them to make a living. Surely he wants them to make end meet. Maybe if we can talk about today the way people live, sexually immoral, ethically immoral, immoral to spouses, immoral to families. What is the chief overall reasons somebody does that? Well, surely God wants me to be happy. Man, I think about that. If God wanted me to be happy, if that's truly what he wants, I would weigh about 500 pounds. I would be eating everything in sight. Thelma and I would be having butter pecan ice cream every single night, not thinking a, a, a thing about it. What God is ultimately concerned about is not what will make you happy, but what will make him happy. He's concerned much more about your holiness and that you would delight in him. Don't listen to the lies of the world that say you just need to do whatever you think is right. It'll all work out in the end. We're all going to the same place. No, we're not. We are only going to God's place, God's way. And if we ever forget that, you and I are in trouble. I wonder sometimes if we are not so caught up in the way that we've done church or the way that we've seen church or traditions or whatever that we miss out on the very presence of God. You imagine these people coming together, missing out on who Jesus is. So much so that Jesus has to clean house. Listen, Jesus will love you more than anyone else ever has and he ever will. He calls you unto himself. But if you ever think that you can go your own way and you decide to go and live your own way and you die your own way, you will be in hell your own way. Apart from God. 
And so he calls us, rather than to get upset at the things that offend us, he says, why don't you get mad at the things that offend God? This is what offends God, a proud look, lying tongue, hands that be swift to shed innocent blood, feet that run to mischief and sow gossip, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. These are the things that make God mad. And if they make God mad, but they don't make you mad, why is that? We have to be consumed with zeal for the Lord's house. It is the only way to live life and wealth. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.